0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the big show. This is the program that you cannot go without. It's your host, the most hopsy, baby boy. Sit down, class is in session. I need you all listening here right now. I have, you know, throughout the time of your life, you're going to have those people that you meet and, you know, you cross paths with, and then, uh, you know, you don't always stay in touch. But trust me, there's a fire that burns within you both, that burns deeply within. And um, you tend to that fire with love and care. And uh, That fire that I'm tending to right now is one with my good friend, Mark Logan, Calgary native, hockey player, music maker, musician, hip-hop artist extraordinaire. Mr. Mark Logan, welcome to the show. How are you doing today?
1: What an intro. What a fucking intro. My man, like you said, it's good to rekindle this fire, this passion that burns between us.
0: Yeah, it's pretty deep, man. I'm not going to lie. There is definitely something there, uh, something to speak of and something to speak on toward. Um, my good friend, Mark, I had to have him on. This is a guy that, um, I knew growing up. We're both Northwest Calgary kids. Um, we never went to, we went to high school together. Uh, we graduated. We're both graduates of William Aberhart high school. Uh, the Trojans actually, they're not the Trojans What are they called the orange, the orange. Yeah. They changed the name. Go
1: orange. Altered by Tropicana.
0: Yeah. That's a good, uh, one of my favorite flavors is orange. So I mean, that's <laughs> our high school. Uh, We went there. Uh, Mark played hockey, uh, high-level hockey player, all throughout his youth. Took that uh, career down south, played some NCAA D1 hockey, played a little professional hockey over in France. Guy's done it all, but now he's focused on music. Let's go right through the whole show there, Mark. Uh, Let's tell the people what they need to know. And um, it kind of starts with yourself growing up. Uh, Tell us a little bit about yourself, your childhood growing up in uh, northwest Calgary. Uh, your love for sports, that competitive fire that I feel like kind of brought you and I together, made uh, ourselves a little bit of friends and, uh, at a young age. Just talk a little bit about that. Let's lay the foundation uh, to who the man, the myth, and legend Mark Logan really is.
1: Good pleasure. Well, as you said, grew up in Northwest Calgary, uh, started off for the Crowchild Blackhawks, amazing organization that is now, I believe, the Northwest Warriors. So everything's changing. abraham changed, Crowchild changed. So me and you, we've been around the block. After yeah. that, yeah, Northwest NWCAA. Uh, that was the quadrant. And then, you know, after that, went to Brooks Bandits, won the RBC with them, probably a highlight of my life. Uh, then after that, like you said, went down to the States, played D1 at RIT. And that's when my uh, press box world tour pretty much started. Uh, Had a lot of hot dogs, had a lot of healthy scratches, but uh, led me to where I am today, making music, chopping it up with the one and only hopsy, Hopsinator, Hopalitions. Well, man, there's
0: so much to talk about and you're a very interesting cat. That's why I wanted to have you on. I like talking to people that are doing cool things and they're pursuing the things they want to pursue in this life. But I, I kind of want to focus on a little bit of your hockey career for, first because, like you said, you know, you've know got some pretty cool highlights in there. you got a good opportunity to uh, go down to the States, uh, play on a winning team in junior, uh, extend that career uh, post-college out there over to Europe. So you've done some cool things. And hockey was the first thing that kind of brought you and I together. That was how we met. Uh, we've never been teammates, but like you said, we've been in close contact contact with a lot of uh, mutual friends that kind of brought us together. We went they to high school. Our
1: legends too.
0: Well, that's kind of it. That's uh, one thing that a lot of people don't really put their finger on is the pulse beat of our legendariness, but that kind of comes with it. Um, Mark, tell us a little bit about yourself. Like you said, you are a good hockey player growing up in the Northwest Calgary. And then you took your talents down to, which is now pretty legendary Junior A franchise, which is the Brooks Bandits. They kind of have an institution down there, a factory, if you will pumping oh. out a lot of good players, a lot of good teams, a lot of prospects. Uh, what was that transition like? Like how did you get that relationship that you ended up going down to Brooks? Cause I remember you almost ended up not, you almost ended up there for your 12th grade year. No, uh, yeah. your, um, it would have been your uh, 16 year old year, no?
1: Yeah, no, you're right. Good memory. Uh, so actually Brooks was the first camp I got a letter from. So there was no connection or anything like that. I just, you know, got a letter in the mail, like the old school old school letter open it up obviously super juiced first junior a invite and i went down for spring camp and i just remember like you had to register before the camp obviously and for some reason my registration didn't work and so but like i show up and i get there and i'm like hey like my name is mark logan i was the first one there because i was super pumped like saw paps the coach the coaching staff And they're like, oh yeah, let's go get our stuff. And I didn't learn this till later on, but they like walked into the back room and they were like, who the fuck is this guy? Like, he's not on our registration. He's not here. They didn't even remember who I was. So, and it's funny because I ended up making the team later on and this is what they told me, but like they came back out and they had to like improvise. He said he was in the back room, like calling, like looking me up on DB. Then he like called my coach. It was like, okay, so like this guy, we did it, send him an invite and stuff. So maybe I wasn't even supposed to be there, but... You know how it goes. You get there, you battle, you do everything you can. So for the spring camp, since I wasn't on the registration, I ended up being like, I had somebody else's jersey and I was playing really good. And I remember after games, like people were coming up to me they're going like, oh, Liam, like hell of a game today. And I was like, what is going on, man? Like this is so <laughs> disorganized. But yeah, if that happened, I ended up like pretty much cracking the squad as a 16, like you said. But I just remember like, The team was so sick. They ended up winning the AJ that year. And uh, like I was talking to Paps, the coach, and he's like, Loges, like this is the deal, man. Like you're good enough to make the team, but I cannot promise you anything. He's like, you could end up playing 25 games or you could end up playing like 50 games. But he's like, our team is so deep. And like, because you're a young guy, like, you know, I don't, it's hard for me to like give you any promises right now. And like he was up front with me and I appreciated that. And I was like, you know what, like, like I might just go back and play midget trips and like, you know, like try and build my confidence, actually get to touch the biscuit. And he's just like, I respect it. So I left there, went back, played for the Flames one year, got to play in the Max Midget. Got to hang out with you, I believe. Or were you in Lethbridge? I No, get?
0: that year I did, I was in Lethbridge at the start, yeah. but I ended up coming back. Like, I remember you and I had
1: classes together. Oh yeah, man. And we'll get into that. I also remember, it's funny because the first thing you, like when you brought up how we went to school together, the first thing I remember is like, I don't even know if you call this a prank or what, but. Me and you, our way to go and try and talk to good-looking girls. We would see a random girl in the hallway, and we'd pretend we'd know them. So you'd go up, and you'd be like, "Oh, Stacy, good to see you. You remember me?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotta come up with a name for that because it works, man. You yeah, feel. I remember that. Fake yeah. report. Fake report.
0: Yeah, fake report. Like you have, like yeah, I remember doing that. That's actually fucking hilarious. <laughs> but um, yeah,
1: so then we'll I'm- have
0: to. Yeah, we'll get deep into it. Let's just talk a bit, obviously, about your hockey because you know yeah. there's some more to go on there
1: for sure. So then after that, uh, played my 17 or my 16 year, I guess, like midget trips went down to Brooks the following year. And that was my rookie year. And that's actually when we won the RBC. Uh, so the Canadian national championship, I don't know, I don't think it's still called RBC anymore, but that was just an unbelievable experience to be a part of like such a successful team. And, you know, like I, I had a fourth line role, but I was in the lineup and it was just good to contribute and looking back on it, like those are some of the best days of your life, you know, like just all the hard work and commitment that goes into winning a championship at the national level. Like it's not something. uh, Well, that's a
0: pretty big deal too. I don't think for the people that don't realize like how hard that is to win the RBC cup, you know, this isn't the major, this isn't the Memorial cup. This is for the junior a, like you got to win your league and then how does it work out West? You win your league and then you play off against the best team in BC that's what it used to be. I
1: think it was the year, like my rookie year is when it changed. So what happened was we won our league and then we go to something that was called the Western Canada Cup. So I think it was like yeah, it was like BC, Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, and then a host team. And when we got there, like we were breaking records. Like we had, we set a bunch of records this year, our team. And when we got to the Western Canada Cup, like obviously, like we were flying high. Like we just beat Spruce, who's nasty. But then uh we lost to Surrey like pretty bad and they just had a filthy squad. And then, so we lost to them in like the finals, but two teams end up making the RBC. So they made it because they beat us, but then we fell back to like the consolation game and we played against uh, Yorkton Terriers, man. Mm-hmm. And this might be the biggest goal of my career. Cause I wasn't scoring many goals this year. Like I said, I was kind of more of a role player, big four check guy, big back check guy pucks off the glass you know the deal mm-hmm. and we, we probably had about like I don't know five to ten shifts this game like the fourth line but I ended up scoring the winning goal on a wraparound just a greaser <laughs> to send the boys to the IRBC. getting probably my first interview after that game too and I remember I was doing the interview and my coach was standing behind the interview guy he was probably like patrolling me like don't say anything stupid and then I just remember, like, I was about to say work our asses off, but I was like, oh, we worked our bags off, and I just saw his face, he just looked down, and he's like, after the interview, he's like, man, working your fucking sack off, that's just as bad as asses off. I was like, ah, I don't need you in my mirror, you know?
0: You know what, you can do what you can do, right?
1: Exactly, Nick. So
0: you guys end up going on to the RBC Championship, which was in Summerside, I, I believe. I'll continue
1: right. the story, briefly. Yeah. You go on the Summerside, beautiful place. You've obviously played there when you were gripping yeah. it up in the Maritimes League. Um, they were the host team. I think we lost to them, actually, in the round robin as well. But then we ended up playing them in the finals and ultimately winning. But, yeah, it was crazy, man. It was cool because we got to go from Nanaimo, where we played the Western Canada Cup, to uh, Summerside. So we went coast to coast, quite literally. Shout out to Sammy Adams.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that's sweet though. Yeah. That's actually sweet. I mean, that's a pretty cool, uh, I mean, it's pretty cool too. You know, you're going across and you're playing all these teams that you never got a chance to play before. Like it's just,
1: exactly.
0: a, it's a pretty cool opportunity. So you come back, you guys are national champions. Then you play two more years with Brooks. How are your next two years with Brooks? Do you guys have good teams still or you guys win the yeah. league or how was that? Oh, so
1: we have really good teams like every year. I'm trying to remember our next year we lost to Jerome. In our last year, we lost to Spruce in the finals. So, obviously, didn't come out victorious those years. But, like like you said, they just had a factory, man. Like, the recruiting and, like, just the way they developed that organization. Like, every year, they kept adding to the experience and making it sicker for the players. So, like, good guys just – it was just a magnet. They wanted to keep coming because they're like, oh, you know, you got that reputation. They're like, they're going to win – they treat their players well. They get a lot of fans. Like we had a sick gym. We got a jumbotron. Like things were just falling into place. I was like, frick, man. Can I stay here forever? Change my birth certificate. Like.
0: Yeah, seriously. Like the thing is, that's so crazy about junior A. And I mean, I don't know what it's like now. Cause when we played, you know, you didn't have to pay to play at the junior A I level. Know, that was
1: that was crazy change. Which is
0: now like so obviously far and gone different. Not This isn't even 10 years ago we're talking. It's changed so much. But, you know, at the junior A level, it's so true. Like, you put together a good program that's traditionally successful multiple years in a row. The good players are just going to choose to go there. There's no draft in those leagues. No, You can literally just pick up your shit and be like, yeah, my kid's going to Brooks. Like, uh, my kid's nasty, he's going to Brooks. And it just kind of spirals
1: from there. And, like, when you're that good and, like, when your team is that good, you can start – getting the best guys not only from like alberta but like you can start getting some guys from the states from other provinces and stuff Mm -hmm. because you you build that reputation so i think that's kind of what they've done and obviously now with some of the talent that's gone through there and some of the success they've had like pushing players to uh d1 scholarships it's like it just keeps building and yeah so my my last year, this is another highlight I'd say in my career, just because it's it's pretty cool to see how it's kind of played out and come to fruition. But like, perhaps our coach was talking to me, and we were looking for call ups and stuff. And I told him, I'm like, hey man, like you should call up my cousin. And he's like, who's that? I'm like, Kale McCarr. And he's like, he didn't really know too much about him. And I think he was playing midget A at the time. And like, he was kind of a bit small, but like, man, he's always just had unbelievable hockey sense, as you guys know. And just like, you know, like an undeniable talent. And I've seen that since day one, because I'm so close to him. But at the time he was still like, you know, he was still had a lot of time to become a man, but I told him like, Hey, like, I think you should lock him up. Like he's the real deal. So we ended up calling him up for the playoffs and It was sick because we got to play together, obviously, for a few games. But, man, he was just like – I'm pretty sure he ended up, like, running our peeper and shit. Like, it was just stupid. He was only
0: 15 years old at the time?
1: Yeah, I think he was 16. I think he was 16. Either way, it was stupid. And, yeah, he came up. it's cool just to see, obviously, his success and, like, how he became such a, like, I don't know, like, big name for that organization and then just with taylor too, his brother who also just got drafted by the abs who's also at umass this year like it's just cool to see the lineage and just like it's kind of a big part of our family now
0: you guys are all first cousins eh yeah that's pretty cool and and like uh, you know i'm pretty crazy that kale mccarr is a northwest calgary boy alone a cousin to a friend of the show on the project here. Oh, yeah but the thing that's so crazy Forum, about Forum. kale mccarr not to veer off your own career and talk about him was that he was kind of like kind of came out of nowhere no like was he was never drafted in the whl
1: no no he, he was drafted i think he was like what's the latest round 12th round he I
0: was think, drafted was he yeah
1: by med hat um but like it like obviously so late and like i think
0: oh he was drafted. It looks right here yeah round yeah. eight he was 164 overall okay. well, so i didn't yeah. even know he was drafted. that's so that
1: makes sense though yeah no like like you said we don't need we could talk about this guy all day but the thing is man it's different from my perspective just because i just was so close from growing up like i don't know and people can attest to this like i was always like yeah he's gonna make the show he's the best like it was just one of those things where, like, he kept getting better. Like, yeah, his coaches – and he had great coaches and great teammates and all that stuff that made him better. But, like, he just had that kind of, like, thing that you can't put your finger on. Like, it was like he just knew the game better than everybody, you know. Mm-hmm. But,
0: yeah. <laughs> Dude, I'm looking at it right now. So, yeah, he was 15 years old. He played 34 games mid-triple-A. Brooks calls him up for three games at the end of the year. He has a goal, four assists for five points. In three games, goes was on to play probably, twenty. What's that? That was
1: probably that was probably just uh, regular season because he played the whole playoffs with so that. No, that's pretty, what I'm
0: saying. That was regular season. Then he went on to play twenty playoff games for a goal and six assists as a fifteen as a sixteen year old. It's pretty sick.
1: Yeah, yeah. I guess I blew it a little bit out of proportion, but like, no, I, dude,
0: that's pretty impressive. Yeah. And then, yeah. like you know, just several two years later, two and a half years later, he's in the world junior team. Like, it's just fucking crazy how it all happens.
1: Yeah, man, it really took off. And like I said, like his brother, my cousin, Taylor McCarr, he was just captain of Brooks. And it was unfortunate that the season this year kind of panned out the way it did because they won the RBC the year before that. And they had an insane squad this year, but he's on to UMass now too. Was Just recently drafted by the Avs. So I'm excited for him as well. He's, he's more our kind of, our kind of player. meat and potatoes kind of guy, yeah. like big, strong competitor, but he's got the soft mitts rick nash net drive top chad so it'll be good to see what, what he does here soon
0: yeah that's really cool that's sweet i mean it's funny too that like all all three of you guys all played for brooks too on really good teams so it's just mm-hmm. funny um what was i gonna say did 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 kale did kale mccarr win a rbc cup
1: no see that's what we got hanging over his head me and t won the hardest league what does he won? what does nice he won? <laughs> did he went.
0: Did, did, did they not win the NCAA that year?
1: No, play? this is a crazy story too, man.
0: Oh, they lost, and then he they lost yeah. in the
1: finals. But UMass actually won this year. They were dominant. But so the year he was in the finals, I went down because like it was in Buffalo, and it was like an hour drive away from me from RIT. Mm-hmm. So I went down and watched him in the Frozen Four. It was crazy, man. Like in uh, Minnesota Duluth, nasty squad. Like both teams were nasty, but. Like you said, they end up losing in the final and that night, like since I was there, I was just chilling with their fam and stuff. Like, you know, it all shook down. They're like, okay, we're signing the contract tonight. Like you're going to play against Calgary tomorrow. Like this is a whirlwind of 24 hours. This guy goes from winning the Hobie to playing this, to literally going into his first NHL game the next day. And they're like, how are we going to get this flight? Like how, blah, blah, blah. And I'm, I'm with them. And I'm like, I'm with him and his agent. And (laughs) we're driving and we, we drive to the hotel and like his whole team is there, like uh, the UMass team. And then I just like walk in with them. Cause like, obviously I'm, I'm with them. And then he signs the contract and his agent looks at me and he's like, how would you like to sign one of these? And I thought he was chirping me, man. And I was like, well, obviously I didn't want to sign one of these. like, but no, and he's like, no, no. Like right now, like as a witness, and I'm like 100%. So I signed Kale McCarr's contract before he signed it. And then him and all his boys got picks. I always act as photographer, but like I just find it funny. I Always say that I'm like, yeah, I signed an NHL contract before you. <laughs> <laughs> it was wild though, man. And then just to see that scores his first goal in his oh first- uh, yeah, I remember that first game, wasn't it? Yeah, it was silly, man. But yeah, this guy gets <laughs> enough attention. Let's uh, let's go back to the yeah.
0: Let's revert. Yeah, well, we can I talk about Mikhail Makar all we want. This no is the Mark Lo- This Hop is the over. Mark Logan show. <laughs> Um, so, you know, we'll go back to your 20 year old year you in Brooks. You had a good year. You said you lost the finals that year. You're 19 years old. And then the next year you end up going on to the Rochester Institute of Technology. No. When D1, how'd that, how that work out when you went D1? Like, you know, you, you were pretty good. You were playing on good teams. No. I mean, I, I was definitely, it wasn't a surprise to me when you got a scholarship or whatever, you know, you ended up going down D1. How did it work? Like, what was that like process like? Were you talking to a lot of teams And uh, why'd you end up going to RIT?
1: It's kind of like, I'm trying to remember it like accurately. Like I was talking to teams like the year before I actually talked to some like big teams, but there wasn't like any major interest. It was kind of like preliminary. And then that year, like I talked to RIT and like Bentley and mostly like Atlantic teams. And I think maybe like Northern Mish, but like. I don't know if the offers just weren't as good or what, but like RIT was really pushing. They really wanted me and they were talking about like how I really fit their, like, you know, their style of play and what they look for. And I knew they had a good um, school and like, this was important to me at the time. And um, also just they had a new rank and I think they, I don't know if they won, but they were coming off some hot seasons. So, they kind of put the gas on me and I'm like, you know, it just makes sense. And like, even like most people were like kind of leaning the same way as me. And I'm not saying like I succumbed to peer pressure, but <laughs> you know, when your family and, and like your coach and stuff, is was like, yeah, like, this is good. This is going to be good for you. You're like, let's do it. You mm-hmm. know? So, so I did it. And, and then, yeah, the rest is history.
0: That's unreal. So like you go down there, you were 20 when you started. What was it like? Uh, was it obviously a big jump up from junior A? Was it not?
1: Uh, in terms of like the the, the level. hockey itself. Yeah. The hockey itself, I'd say the biggest difference was like, like, and you, like, you could probably say the same thing for when you went up your, your levels, like in the, in the junior level, especially in the AJ, like I was one of the strongest guys, like if not the strongest guy. So like, I felt like I could protect the puck really well, like almost without trying sometimes if that, like, you know, just cause like you have a solid, center of gravity and stuff but like when you go up to ncaa like it's it's a men's league now like you know like they make men out of boys like these guys are strong like you're all working out like absolute animals like you've been around the block you're all the best junior players usually and Mm -hmm. i just remember like that was kind of the biggest wake-up call it's like even the the like skill guys like they're tough you know and then especially Mm -hmm. in the atlantic league and like in the corners where i could usually you know like just Roll off the wall or like drive the nens up or like you know bounce a guy off the puck. Like now you're like using all of your muscle, like it's actually like a battle every time you're in the corner. Like just to like keep that balance and try and out muscle a guy, it mm-hmm. like added a different component to like to like strength. I found,
0: yeah, yeah, no doubt for sure. No, I feel I felt like I never played, uh, I mean, I played a couple of exhibition games against NCAA teams. I just found the hockey was pretty strong for sure. I definitely agree well, like, with that. Even, that guys are stronger you, for sure.
1: Even with you, like, what was uh, Nipissing? Is that CIS? Yeah. Yeah, so, like, even CIS and then even, like, obviously the SP and stuff, like, I think that's the difference. Like, and it is, it is a big thing because of age and experience in the game. But, like, you know, like, the systems and the game speed are faster and then the guys just – they can hold their own –
0: yeah, I just find, I find
1: too, like, you look
0: at these kids, I, it's a big jump for sure, but, you know, as you look at junior kids right now, like, they're nasty for sure. Like, they can move the puck agree. well, they can shoot, like, fucking crazy. Like, the things they can do with the puck are crazy. But I just find, like, you know, older guys, their execution's a little different, they're stronger, they play the game a little smarter, a little differently, and it, just, like, that experience factor, it's, a, it's, like, it's pretty evident the second you're out there at a higher level it's fucking wild really 100
1: percent, yeah yeah, yeah it would have been so- interesting it would have been interesting to keep going up levels and see what happens because like i don't know sometimes the way i observe the game is like obviously the players and stuff and like the show and the a are like like faster as like their skill and their speed is higher but it's almost like the game is played differently it's almost like it's more of a like a skill setup game, you're giving guys a bit more space, as if you like you're trying not to get burned. Maybe not in the A. The A is more of a run and gun league, but in the show, it's like almost like the game speed itself looks a bit slower. Even the players are, even though the players are faster. Like, what do you think?
0: I feel like the NHL is such a wild league to watch because it almost makes it like hard to appreciate how beautiful the game is because they make it look so fucking easy. That's like, true. <laughs> the guys are like, I feel like if if you were able to, like, somehow, I always think about this, like, what would happen if I got a shift in the HL? I think if you were somehow able to get out there, be in the right place at the right time, and just find a way not to fuck up, you'd look right at home. Like, That's the, the diff- like these guys, these guys out in the NHL, like, they're like robots. They're so fucking good. They're just out there in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing. Like, it sounds like, too easy but that's literally what they fucking
1: do that's the thing it's like people don't realize because they make it look so easy it's like this execution like the difference between like there's an element of luck and opportunity for sure but the difference between playing in the show or like the a or making this team or getting there or getting the coast or getting ncaa is like it's the very small things and it's cliche but it's like man if you take a guy who's like a a third liner and or something it's like sometimes the decision between taking him instead of another guy is oh how many turnovers did he have in mm-hmm. on the fucking half wall like you know yeah so it's like people don't realize it might look like a guy's good but like if you want to be part of a winning team and actually contribute it's like it's all those little execution steps especially for the bottom six guys
0: oh, like yeah, the top guys, true. they
1: get their leeway it's like yeah you know you're going to score 50 goals you might turn over the puck but that's a risk we're willing to take because you have this talent and we need to maximize it mm-hmm. but but the other guys it's like your job is to not lose like
0: yeah 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 i found too like so you were kind of saying like i don't know if this is the case but you were kind of making it sound from the words i just heard you say when you were explaining your time at rit like where you obviously found yourself in a different role than you did in junior, you know, you might not have been playing as much or what was, what was your experience in college? Like?
1: Yeah. Like I've overused that, uh, press box, Hattie, hot dog, Hattie term. It was kind of a little joke between me and my roommates one year for secret Santa and it just really took off. So I'm actually known for the most hot dog Hatties in the Atlantic, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, in all seriousness, my my freshman year, like my rookie year, it was kind of the same as Brooks. We won the championship, and I actually got to play a lot, but I was just like a fourth-line guy, and even a little like less relevant than I was in Brooks. Like in Brooks, I felt like I was actually like, you know, like I was put out there to get the energy up, to like play the body and stuff like that. In RIT, I just found like I – same thing, I was in the lineup for almost the whole year, but I was just, you know, not not really getting as many, like, D-zone shifts, not really playing on the, uh, obviously on the power play. I was just a little bit of PK, fourth line guy, and it was good. I played, like, I was happy with it, I was fine, I just wanted to be playing, and unfortunately, the only game I didn't play, this is probably, like, the most upsetting thing in my career was the, the final game where, where we won the Atlantic. I played every other game and then, coach, and then coach scratched me. So we won't get into it, but I might drop a diss track. Uh,
0: wow, dude, you um, should drop a diss track. That's <laughs> diss track worthy. So you played, like, you mean every fucking game of the season you played and you played all playoffs? I don't know
1: every game, but pretty, pretty close and every game of the playoffs until then. And like, he just said like, you know, like, we had a guy who was injured, who was a veteran player, and he's like, "Hey, we gotta put him back in for this game. Like, he's been there, he's uh, he's done it before. This isn't his first rodeo." And I was like, "Coach, you realize I just won RBC last year, playing every game." He's like, "Yeah, it's a different game, and like nothing wrong with that. Like, you know, like I felt like I deserved to stay in the lineup. I proved myself, but you know, you're on charge of that, and you gotta do what you gotta do. You can't be you can't be holding back the plan. He's in charge. He's running the ship. So I just, you know, I." just tried to fucking get the boys hyped up probably spit some bars before the game but i just remember the night before this is actually like weird like i wouldn't say i'm extremely like spiritual or anything like that and i'm not even like i'm not really like religious but i just remember man i wanted to win so bad and i remember like whatever you want to call it, praying i was just like i will do anything to win and then the next day like i got scratched so i'm like hey maybe that's what it took to win i guess <laughs> get, my, get my sorry ass out of the lineup
0: <laughs> yeah maybe maybe dreams do come true yeah exactly fuck that's not always the way you think though i didn't know what (laughs) you're looking up and you're like ah, you're a (laughs) a funny guy you sometimes
1: he works in mysterious
0: ways (laughs) so then you end up so you guys win your first year like were you guys good your next three years or how'd that pan out um
1: i'm trying to remember we were like we were good every year but i think like we didn't show up in the playoffs, at least for like two other years. Uh, dude, I'm actually having a hard time remembering. I know we lost in the first round twice, I think. And then maybe one time we lost in the second round. So kind of went downhill after that.
0: What was um What was the school life like at RIT? Was it a good school, a good party school, a good time?
1: It was sick, man. Like, it's not known for being a party school. Like, it's an engineering school primarily. Like, it's, like, not going to lie, it's more more so a nerdy school. But it's such a big school. And, like, the fact that we were the only D1 team, like, kind of gave us some limelight and kind of gave us, like, a, you know, a big dog reputation, which was cool. Because people would want to come out to our games. Like, we were kind of the talk of the campus. And, like, everyone was supporting us and like that was the team you know like go to the hockey game so the fans and the students were unbelievable for the most part like definitely juiced the barn a couple times our uh homecoming game we play at the blue cross where the uh, ahl team plays the americs and like Mm. had like over ten thousand every year which was sick but yeah the school was dope man and the boys were dope like i love the team love the boys um at one point though like i was Like, it was stressful for me because, like, you know, you go to school, you want to play hockey. Like, at this point, hockey is still, like, it's my goal, it's my dream, and as competitive as everyone is, like, you feel like you should be playing, you're doing everything to play, and that can be stressful. And there was a point where I considered leaving. I think it was after my sophomore year. I think that was the year I didn't really play. Like, I I went from playing almost every game my, my freshman year and then not really playing my sophomore year and I was considering leaving, but I didn't because I really liked the school and I liked the the boys. And it's impossible to say. And I don't like looking at life in like retrospect or anything like that. But like, it's crazy. Like, you never know. Like, what could have happened if you had the opportunity you wish or you thought you deserved. You know? Yeah. Like, it's a it's a bad way to look at things. And I'm not saying I'm like I'm like regretting it or like bitter about it. But it, it would be interesting to to know.
0: Do you mean like had you have left or had you yeah uh, like
1: or yeah or like played more like gone to a school you actually were in the lineup. Yeah I
0: feel you dude I feel you when you say that for sure. But I think
1: it works out for the best and like at the end of the day you made your decisions like you did it for a reason and it's out of either your values or like what you understand at the time and I did it knowingly I'm like hey because I still believed in myself I'm like no next year I'll play more I'll be good. And, like, either way, I like the school. I love the boys. I'm still having a good time. So, like, you do it for a reason, and it all works out. But.
0: Oh, for sure. And, I mean, I'm not saying this is what happened to you at all, but I've had this conversation, like, so many times over my yeah. you know, my life with friends that have been in scenarios with hockey where they thought things might not have panned out the way they wanted it to. And I found this, like, this is so, like, attributable to, like, every scenario in life as well. I always found that it's, like, it sucks to look back at, you know, you kind of like wish that things would have been different. Like, I mean, myself as a player, I do that all the fucking time, but I always try to think like, you know, at the end of the day, like all you can look back at and say is like, you know, with the time you were given on the ice and what you did do with it. Like, you know, if you gave it your fucking all and you tried your best, like there's not really much else you can fucking ask for at the end of the day. Like, 100%. You can always go back and say this and that, and that couldn't have been different, but like, you know, or like, at the end of the day it's what you do with the opportunities you're given you know we can look back and say well fuck i should have should have went to a different school in the first place and maybe i would have been wouldn't have been where i'm at now it's but,
1: impossible know. to calculate that like that's what said. i
0: mean right and you look yeah. back and you're like oh this one decision changed everything and i'm like every decision you make every second of the day changes every that's day. how you
1: fall in the rabbit hole yeah yeah no, like you want
0: to be you want to be like that like like you fucking crack your knuckles one time and then you don't like that changes the whole trajectory of your entire life that's the way I look at it like so you just never know you can't look at things like that you just kind of kind of take them as they go because you know at the end of the day we live in the fucking moment that's literally all we have
1: 100% man and like I, that's why I respect you so much because like, I feel like you just embody that like style of life, just like with your sense of humor and your energy. And like, I think we're kind of similar like that. Like on any team we've been on, we've kind of been like a little bit of a gel, like locker room guy. And like, we're always going to support our teammates no matter what. And I feel like that's why like, sure. we're friends. No, I, defi- I definitely
0: feel like you and I are very similar like that. I appreciate those kinds of words, but I feel like that's why you and I have always got along very well. That's uh. Mm-hmm. Been pretty seamless, you know. We get we uh, kind of look at things the same way in life, hundred percent. Uh, not to get weird, and uh, before we start making out, um, <laughs> you um go from Rochester though, you and then you may you know you do your four years there, which is you know pretty admirable. At the end of the day, man, you won a championship and you got to do four years D one. Like fuck, you know things have obviously could have been different, but exactly day, that's all in that matters. Perspective, yeah, you got to take it in perspective. Like it was a fucking sick time, and then uh, you get to go over to France, so. What was it like when you were leaving uh, school? Were you taking into consideration of all options? Were you looking at North American pro? Or did you always want to go to Europe? And then how did the fuck did uh, Nantes in France end up uh, calling your name and why was that so the choice you made?
1: This is how it shook down. Um, unfortunately, like not to be a Debbie Downer again, but like my my senior year, I didn't end up really playing in the playoffs. And this was kind of like – this really took a toll on me, and I was like, you know what? Like maybe I'm just done. Like maybe this is it. Like, but it sucked because I I thought I was playing really good. Like I felt good. I'm like, I actually feel like I might be, <laughs> in terms of playing approaching my peak even though i'm not even playing which was very strange
0: mm-hmm.
1: but, so i'm like i don't want to quit but like i was also starting to lose a little bit of a love for the game you know like i had mixed feelings about it because i'm like i'm working so hard i don't feel like staying out and shooting pucks for no reason like i don't want to do this and that's a bad attitude to have and trust me like i've thought about this consciously like it's you have to be in the position before you can judge someone like this because like Obviously, I I want to have a positive attitude and do everything I can, but it's difficult when <laughs> you go through this shit. But I was like, "Yo, this might be it," which was okay. I was starting to kind of come to terms with it, just because I was like, I really want to do music and go all in on that, and like. But then Dunner, my like one of my best friends, uh, who was playing at uh, Alabama Huntsville, he was like, Logs, like I might go play pro in Europe. Like, if we found a place to play together, would you do it?" And I was like, "Honestly, yeah. Like, I kind of want to end." My career on like a positive note and like it's always been a goal of mine to play pro and I think it'd be a sick experience for at least a year. So if we can dial something in, let's do it. And then we just started looking for places and a guy played with um fonts, Alexander Peron Fontaine at RIT. We were on the fourth line. My first year together, he uh said logs, like I talked to the coach here, I told him all about you, like let's get it. And I'm like, yeah, well, you know, like Dunner and, he, um, and I kind of pumped Dunner's tires and he had an agent too. So that helped out, but we ended up getting like the package deal we were looking for and took off, brushed up the the French a little bit, got out there, drank some wine and now we're here.
0: That's unreal. What was, um, what was the level of hockey like over there in France?
1: It's tough to say because I've never like obviously played in the coast or anything. But I think like there's some guys that are like good enough to play in the coast, but overall it's not quite as good as that. There's like elements of the game that are like really good. Like I think the skill is pretty high and like there's some good passing and playmaking and stuff. And also like the, the size of the ice and the style of game makes it a little hard to compare.
0: Yeah. It must I, be so different.
1: Oh man. And like, I thought I was going to love the big ice cause like I'm a fast guy I got to say, man, me and Dunner, like, when we got there, (laughs) we were dying. We were dying our cardio. But then not only that, like, we played a couple games there on the small ice. And it's just crazy. I think it's because we grow up playing on the small ice that, like, we're just used to making these plays, cycling and stuff. But, like, we just dominated when we played in that smaller ice. And I think it's because I thought when the the ice was bigger, like, I'd be like, oh, I, I have more room to burn these guys wide, you know, and stuff like that but the opposite actually ends up happening. I don't know if you've ever like, I find that such a boring game on the big ice. I I find, but well, it's boring because like, I thought like you were going to be burning guys and stuff, but the opposite ended up happening. A lot of times there'd just be a huge gap between you and the D man. So you'd have to shoot from further out. So you're shooting at like the top of like the circles, but it's actually like the blue line. It's like, you're never going to score without a screen or anything. So it's like, that's why the power play is so big there. Cause like, yeah, you do have space there and you can get those two on ones and stuff. But yeah, I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm the one jumping down the rabbit hole right now, but yeah, that's my little analyst. I know you don't like the analyst, but.
0: no stop. <laughs> I, I just find like, I mean, it's a great game on the big ice, but I find as a defenseman too like a game when you play in the big ice compared to, you know, smaller ice surfaces, like you just kind of like stand between the dots. Like you can't run around as much. Exactly. Like people aren't running around. So like guys aren't getting as exposed. It kind of just like turns into like a boring game in that's my eyes. Exactly, it's like a perimeter game.
1: That's kind of what happened, like what you're saying. And it's also like, not only that, like not only are guys just standing around, but like the shots themselves, like the percentage of scoring on shots just decreases so much. Like
0: Yeah. And then I find like, cause you're, I find guys are so much pickier with their shots on, on big ice, and then you know you get back under like a North American sheet, and guys are just zinging the puck from exactly, fucking hilarious man. places because everywhere is a good shot.
1: Fucking play on road hockey tournament out there, just
0: literally just whackable. Oh, no one yeah. has a clue. That's, like, that's so I feel style. like it must be such a culture shock for Euros when they first come to North America. They must think they're playing pinball.
1: <laughs> literally, dude, and they. Man, another thing too, I guess you haven't played there, but like, you know, just from like the college lifestyle and like juniors and, and like honestly almost all North American high level hockey is like the grit, you know, and like guys there have grit, but like at practice, like, you know, I was getting in, into it with guys and I never took it personally, right? Like, cause I was used to that, like, you know, just competing, battling, and sometimes like the emotions get a little high. And I just remember like, I thought like, They had to like have an intervention with me they're like yo like is everything okay and i was like oh like i'm like oh boy like everything's fine (laughs) like but (laughs) like i just don't think they're used to that like i got in a couple like not like fights but like you know just like a couple wrestling matches with guys and like they were like yo do you hate us and i'm like no like I, i love you guys like Just a little
0: different atmosphere, a little bit. Different
1: atmosphere, yeah. But, like, really friendly atmosphere, like the boys. Like, we were really tight. Did
0: you you find people in France were
1: nice? This is what I think. is like, my experience, the friends and family and, like, friends of friends are all super nice. Like, if there's some type of connection, they'll really want to get to know you and foster that relationship. But the the strangers and like the day-to-day life is a lot different than in Canada. Like I could see that. Like the people are a lot more polite and welcoming and open here. Whereas they're like, this is my experience. This is, this is a biased experience. Maybe I'm wrong, but like, this is what I experience. Uh, like people, there's not nearly as much like eye contact. Like they won't really say hi to you or look at you that much. Like, and like, if you ask for something and even like, the service industry and stuff is like a little bit different, you know, but it's funny, man, because like just these little changes, is like, you know, like here, like if you're a confident, like funny guy, you can strike up a conversation with like, if you're trying to wheel a girl, like you could go to a grocery store and like, it wouldn't be weird if you said something funny, you'd probably get to know her, like pick up her number. Like since I was there and like, I didn't know anyone, I was trying to get to know people, especially pretty girls. And I was trying to wheel these French girls like anywhere I went, like at the grocery store. And people do not do that there. And I didn't like, I didn't think it was weird. But like when I told the boys about it, they were like, they were just dying. They're like, this guy tried to like talk to a girl at the grocery store. Like what a <laughs> lunatic. And I was like, what? I'm like, yeah, like she's good looking. And like, I think I got a couple numbers and they were like mind blown. They're like, you didn't even know her. You met her at the grocery store and you got her a number. You're a sicko. And I was like, all right
0: why is that like where do you go to meet like where do you have to go to meet girls mostly just
1: like at the bars and like clubs or like if you know somebody like and that you see them at the club like their friend and stuff like i think it's a little just more like close-knit like that i don't know but like yeah the other thing though the thing i will say that's a positive of like the french like tendencies like that is like even though sometimes they might look like they're a bit more like impolite is like they don't bullshit. Like they're kind of like honest and like if they want to talk to you or like they're going to tell you or speak their mind. Whereas like sometimes don't you find like if you meet someone or like you see someone you know in the small talk here it like it just seems forced or fake or they're being like fake nice. It's like it's it's a waste of time usually. Exactly. And it's also like you just kind of know how someone feels about you. <laughs> it's like this guy fucking hates me. <laughs>
0: yeah, you can like I find that's the beauty of like <clears throat> I mean, I only have so few experiences because I've never been outside of North America. But, like, just, like, the mundane, bullshit, small talk, it's like, what you're lying to your teeth. Like, you fucking yeah. hate me. Like- <laughs>
1: exactly. <laughs> yeah. So you don't deal with that as much, which is nice. But you might get some some hard looks here and there. But honestly, man, it was a dope experience. And I wish I could have spent a bit more time there. I had to come back early because of COVID. And our season got cut short. Oh, Which yeah, it cool. would
0: have been that year. I
1: never even really thought of that. Yeah, but we were planning, me and Dunner were going to go on like a month or two, probably not two, but a month trip around Europe just because everything is so accessible and like, you know, it's like pretty cheap once you're in there. But that didn't really happen. So I'm definitely going to make my way back out there, probably for the world tour with Hopsy, the project, the <laughs> Mark Bogan world tour.
0: Oh, that'd be so sick. I'll just be your publicity guy at the back. Just oh, crunching you'll numbers. Be dude, my crimes. height,
1: man. You'll be my bodyguard. You'll be a lot of things.
0: I'll be like that uh, guy. Like, if you start, uh, before, we're gonna get into your music now. But what we gotta do is like, you know, like at the beginning of like every rap song now, it's like DJ Kelly. Yeah, yeah it'll like, yeah. be it'll be me yelling something like absolutely absurd.
1: Man, like,
0: logs. <laughs> what I'm gonna
1: do is I'm gonna bring you over, get you on the mic, and give you give you like three Red Bulls and 10 minutes to just say whatever you want. And we'll just chop up the best rap tag the universe has ever seen.
0: Yeah. Like I'll just do like a 10 minute warm-up, get the ear holes warm for everyone out there in the crowd. Exactly. Do a little crowd work. Oh, I love that. Get, get evicted from the country as a whole very quickly. So logs, we've talked about your hockey career. Let's start getting into more, more of the artistic side of you, the young man, which is yourself um so you've kind of like you're taking this music thing like really serious for those of you though you do not realize uh this is a musician not only an athlete all right we touched on that earlier but now it's time we're going to flip the script we're going to learn the other side of the kid um what kind of an age were you at when you like I I remember as long as I've known you and I've known you for a while like you were kind of always into the rapping it was something I always knew that you were good at you like doing but you weren't really taking it seriously at the time it was something that i feel like we always thought you would eventually take serious and then you kind of maybe got the ball rolling with that you know a little later on after high school like when did you kind of start taking music seriously and maybe find out that was something that you wanted to do and we're good at
1: that seems like a pretty accurate like description of what happened honestly um so it all started off i'll give it i'll give it another chronological rundown and try and make it quick but It started with my producer, best friend, John Boswell. So we make all of our music together. He's pretty much like my executive producer. He's making all my beats, producing my vocals now on all the tracks you hear. But even back then, I think we were like grade five or six. Actually scratch that. I heard the Eminem, My Name Is song when I was like grade one and that just got me hooked instantly. My Name Is every day on the walk to school, get you psyched up to learn, get you buzzing. But then after that, uh, like I said, me and Boz met each other in elementary. We just loved rap music in like grade five and six and like just started like listening to like Eminem and like 50 Cent and you know just really loving it. And at that point, it wasn't until high school like when I met you and stuff was like that was when we first started actually like making any music. Like it was just, (laughs) it was pretty funny. Like we didn't know really anything about music. like grade 10 or eleven, I think we just started just making some trash music. There's a couple gems, but you know, just want to experiment with it and see what happened. And at this point, like I like just started freestyling, and I realized I was really good at it, and I liked it a lot. And like I guess it's just interesting to see the progression of the the career and stuff because it all started just because I loved bars and lyricism and like rap and stuff and freestyling. And that's not necessarily the music I make now but like this is how my career progressed pretty much I was like oh I just started writing lyrics and I knew nothing about music like I don't know I don't have a musical background like I'm not like I don't know how to play instruments I don't know music theory and I remember I just thought music was all about bars like I thought if you had cool bars like you were the best so I didn't even have a fucking clue how I sounded like, and I didn't even care. And this doesn't make any sense to me now, but this is what happens when you learn, you want to get better at something. So I was just writing these bars and I would rap them and there was no flow. There was no cadence. There was no rhythm. There's no musicality. And I thought I was sick. I was like, man, I am the best. Cause I just had this funny bar. I love and that. then I realized pretty soon, like, oh, there's something called flow. Oh, there's something called being in key with the song. So, like, I was like, shit, like, I actually got to start learning and making stuff. But I guess to make it more interesting, that's a little musical and technical, was when I went to Brooks after high school and stuff, like, we had that experimental period where we made a couple tracks. And like, like me and you said, like, we were freestyle and making funny jokes, having a good time. It was all fun. And when I was in Brooks, like my, my rookie year, I was going to school and then I got injured. I got injured. I broke my ankle and I missed like 10 games before the Christmas break. And I remember like, honestly, like I was friends with all the guys on the team, but when you're a 17 year old, like, you know, you're kind of still feel like you're out of it, especially if there's not that many younger guys. Like, so I was kind of like less social than I was, than, than I usually am at this point. And Like, when I had a broken ankle, I would just chill at home and write bars. And that's kind of when I really got into it. And, like, oh, you know, I started writing some bars. And it's funny that, like, we're doing this podcast and, like, going through the memories right now. Because the other day I was with Madison Smiley, my good friend from Brooks. And he was like, bro, like, do you remember, like, the conversation we had in the car? Because we worked together at, like, this sheet metal shop during the days, like, between practice and workout and he told me he remembered this conversation and like I vaguely remember it and kind of like came back to me where like I looked at him when we were driving the car I'm like man like I think I'm gonna take rap seriously and he was like yeah man and like he was like you're good man like you try it out and like at this point I probably wasn't that good but like you know when your friend kind of like supports you like that and tells you something like that like he was like yeah man I kind of gave you that extra push to get going and like looking back I'm like man that's crazy like He's like, yeah, you owe me all your royalties. And I was like, uh, I don't know about that. No. <laughs> but so th- so then I like, just from there on, I started making some songs for the boys. Like I remember I would like freestyle, like almost like chirp the other team on the bus sometimes. Like I'd get the boys hyped up. I'd hop on the bus mic and like chirp the other team before the game, like throw some bars down. Then like in college, I had a couple win songs back to back for the boys. And then it just started getting more serious. Like I was like, I actually want to make, you know, like art reflective of my situation, some autobiographical stuff, like things. I want to make songs for people. Like I want to have a song that everybody in the world, like, likes. Like I want to have a song for every moment. And like, you know, that's the beautiful thing about music is like you just really express yourself. So, yeah, I don't know. Hand me some questions, Hopsy. I'm just kind of rambling, but that's uh, that's a little bit of the rundown.
0: That's sweet, though. No, I just always find it's like it's like so interesting, just kind of like – hearing how it all happened and you know I was there was multiple questions I could have asked but you answered a lot of them because like you wonder how a guy like you know you'd say how you choose hip-hop or like why was rap the way you went but like you know you saying you're not really having a musical background not really playing instruments but that's like I always find hip-hop and like that type of music is so like that's such a broad category now when you call it hip-hop but like a lot of people are always wondering why there's so many people getting into it compared to traditional types of music but i'm just like with the new technology we're able to have and now like kids without a musical background whose parents aren't you know forcing them into music or putting them into music putting instruments in their hands they can now just like enjoy tunes log onto a laptop find a way to like create lyrics they enjoy create a fucking beat and anyone can make music now and it's fucking sweet like you just said like the way you described how you kind of got into it it's just like so cool to me and like pretty unique and, and just something that I feel like we take a like we have a lot of bad things to say about technology and how it's changed our world but like how accessible things like creating music have become for a guy like yourself like without this technology being able available like you would have probably never even pursued music to this point and just the fact that you are where you are is fucking sick
1: like like you said like it's a double-edged sword for everything especially like when it comes to technology and social media but like you can choose to focus on the negatives or you can focus on the positives and like do your best to work around the negatives so like yeah like it's crazy like you can make your arguments against it but let's be honest like you said you can create and express yourself so much more effectively and in way more ways now and you can share with the world if you can do it successfully so like you know, that's the new like code you're trying to crack is like, how can you spread it to the world? And like, how can you make the best music possible? And now you have more at your disposal to do so. So you could sit around and mope, or you can just try and get it going.
0: No, oh, 100%. Absolutely. So, like, you, you kind of went through it. Like you said, you're getting into it in Brooks. You kind of you know you, you still mess around with it in, in, in when you're at RIT like I remember you coming out with some songs with music videos of you like at the rink and stuff. Mm-hmm. Then when you were in Nantes, you know you were still you know you're keeping projects going. But now that you know you're out of hockey, I mean it's pretty evident. Myself following you on social media, which everyone should go do on TikTok, fucking Instagram. This guy's all over. He's on everything. Um, you know you've definitely taken a one. step up and like the, you're creating content. You're creating new music all the fucking time. Like. You've kind of like, you know, you've really turned this up several notches. So this past year, like how, how have things like felt and I mean, kind of transpired taking music seriously as your sole focus, no more hockey in play.
1: It's, it's been, it's been like uh kind of a hard change as any, like athlete can tell you. I think like once you stop playing, you you always have a void or like you're dealing with, a somewhat difficult transition just because like that's your identity right and like that's what you've been doing your whole life like the routine changes like how you think about yourself changes like and like i'm not trying to make it more dramatic than it is because obviously music has filled that void for me and like for the most part and like that's what i've been i knew this like was inevitable like i knew i always knew i was going to make music for some reason i always just had this and you know near the end of my career i knew like music was the next step but it doesn't make it any easier for when you do sometimes like because like and this is kind of like my song outbreak this is what it's all about and i know you've listened that one you like that one and it's, it's I a great, love that one, Yeah, meaningful song to me and like i always talk about how it's about my situation but i really just tried to make this song really interpretive and like almost like simple just because i really at the end of the day i wrote it because i wanted it to help people who kind of had similar emotions to me and i wanted it to be like a more far-reaching song but it was inspired by my own situation and I, I don't know I just thought it was going to be like easier like you know like I've always been confident like I and I was like oh this transition like I'm gonna do the music like gonna blow up instantly blah, blah blah like not that easy but it has been difficult because like you have all this time and energy that you devoted to hockey once and now to re-channel it like it's just a change you know and like there's not one way. That's the thing that's hard in music is like a lot of it is delayed gratification. And it's also, there's not one like method to get to the top. Like, yeah, there's practices that work that like you should use, like build a fan base and like create better music. But like mm-hmm. a lot of times, like especially during COVID, cause I felt like it didn't give me as much of a chance to network or like find mentors and stuff. Like it felt like me and Boz were doing it a lot of it on our own, almost all of it. And sometimes like, I think you got of get caught in the matrix and you're like, fuck, like, what am I doing the right thing? Like, is this going to pay off? Like, you know, cause you don't always see it right away. Like, and you don't want to fucking dig up the flowers mm-hmm. before they start growing. So you're like, I've been fucking watering this. Like, is something going to come out of it? But that's the thing you just got to have faith and you got to just keep acquiring knowledge. Oh, and just for sure. But I, like, think,
0: I think it's always, it's funny you said that. Cause I, I've, this was something that I never really thought about like a year ago like just building off what you just said and hockey and i feel like music especially for you it's kind of nice that you have gone through the hockey grind already and you're just you know now getting really into the music grind is that <clears throat> like you can work your bag off and this can be attributed to the business world sports school anything you can work your fucking bag off every fucking day eight hours a day but at the end of the day, like you'd like, is what I just worked on actually going to help me be better at what I want to do as a player, musician, businessman, person, fucking anything. You can work your fucking dick off and you could be doing that the wrong shit. Like that's the reality of it. So you kind of yeah. have to do that trial and error. And like, that's the thing. So I feel like that's why so many people don't chase their dreams in the first place, because there's no, like, there's not going to be that pat on the back that you always are going to know you're doing the right thing. You're doing a good job. You're on the fucking right path. Man. You have to find that within yourself. It's it
1: It's crazy that you say that. Cause I think like, and even though like, I'm a firm believer in like age doesn't dictate what you do or like how, what you should do. Like, I do think it would be naive to think like, you know, when you're our age, like you're like mid twenties or like approaching 30, like most people are doing something more conventional or like they'll have their opinions on your situation and stuff like this. And like, like you said, you weigh the pros and cons or you do a cost benefit analysis in your head. And I think this is what stops a lot of people is they're like, Oh, like, you know, like they come up with those, those excuses, you could say or rationalizations where it's like, Oh, like I'm too old. Or like, well, there's not enough time to do this. Like, well, if I do this, I can't do this. And it's tough because like, it's a fine line between like being reasonable and being wise, but also just maybe you're on the other hand, just being either scared or like being fuck, just scared, I guess. And like me and you, I think we sit in the same place when it comes to like what we value and like a bit of our outlook on life. It's like hard work is what you need to do, but it needs to be towards something that like you love your passion that you like keeps you ticking like you know like it needs to be a representation of who you are and it needs to be something that you're proud of and that you want to do and enjoy your life doing or else like you're just kind of working backwards so like like you said like kind of to complete the full circle like it is a lot of it comes from within because you're the only one who can decide what's truly right for you and sometimes it's time it takes time and you're uh, always yeah. changing your opinion's always changing and like there's so many external influences and that's what makes it hard. And I think that's why this song outbreak is really going to like resonate with a lot of people and like help a lot of people. It's because like, there's so much shit going on now, man, like all the social media, all the stimuli and everything. It's like, sometimes it's fucking hard to find out what you truly think and what you truly believe. Like you need to actually meditate on it. And like a lot of us don't even have the ability to do that because of the culture and the, the era we grew up in you know like and sometimes it can just be like overwhelming like there's so many options like and that's the double-edged sword right like like you said everything is more accessible now we have more ability to do things to connect with people but on the other side it's like with more options you know you can be spread too thin it's like what oh, do yeah. I, should I do that no. This? no yeah and it's hard because you don't want to commit to it because you see everybody else people you don't know you see all these things happening for them and you judge it and you base it off them and you think it should be a certain way but it's like man your life is unlike everybody else's and you are like unlike unlike everybody else like you can always take notes from other people but like you can't expect things to work out the same way like there's so many factors that go into like the course of somebody's life i couldn't be like well like fucking like this guy did this so like if i do that like no Sorry, kind of went off there.
0: But. No, I feel you, dude. No, it's, it's, it's <laughs> a long one. No, it's true though, bro. It's true. You know, you, I feel like at the end of the day, and I'm still learning this more and more. It's just like at the end of the day, if you have a good, if if you're cool with what you're doing, if you think that you're working hard, and and you know you're satisfied with what you're putting forth, whatever the fuck that may be in this world, that's all of that matters at the end of the day, like realistically, like. You're you're your own cheerleader. You're your own best friend. And if you don't got your own back, no one else ever will in the first place. So, I mean, it kind of starts with numero uno and kind of just fucking goes out from there. But, um, yeah, not to just – I don't know where the fuck we got off to. All of a sudden, we started doing – That's
1: a good way to hit it on the head. It's just like – as cliche as it is, like, you're not – if you're not, like, being yourself and happy with what you're doing, like, it's going to – it's gonna affect everybody else adversely, and like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, I, I agree,
0: hundred percent. So, do you have a little? What's going on today? Is is not that you're speaking about outbreak a lot? Does doesn't the music video literally come out? Is it today Monday, or Monday?
1: Monday, baby, yeah. So, just for anyone listening and or anyone's gonna come across this, the millions upon millions in the years to come lbreak is the title track or like the name of my five song ep i just dropped with boz and we're dropping the music video on monday august 2nd 3 p.m my socials at it's mark logan my youtube channel mark logan you can check it out come through it's a pretty powerful music video and definitely probably my my deepest song one of my favorite songs so I'm excited for that.
0: <laughs> Man, that's unreal. So you've had several music videos now. Where Do you record them in Calgary or where?
1: Yeah, like most of the videos are done in the Calgary area with my boy Dunner, uh, whose company is Eleven Creative. Uh, and then the Cotton Candy video was done with Ethan Burke, also in Calgary area. But uh, we got some more on the way. But yeah, those are mainly the ones.
0: That's sick. Now, is there any is there any kind of like uh plans to like go play you know tour dates this summer or how's that looking with COVID and everything?
1: It's tough. It's still kind of coming together. I think we, the we're probably gonna set up our own show some point at the end of the summer. Either probably be a release party of some sort or some type of show. And details on that to come. But I will definitely get you in there and also pushing it out to the project to make this thing an absolute
0: man that'd be fucking sweet
1: like and then oh. hopefully like sooner than later this show
0: is gonna be making its way out west for good and uh we'll be able to do a bunch of shit together man like i mean i feel like i mean i don't even know how long we've been talking because we're talking on zoom right now it doesn't tell you the fucking length of the recorded audio that you're putting forth you <laughs> out out, zoom you've had a fucking year to get all this shit the going but uh, yeah, man, I feel like this is the tip of the iceberg, and we're we're just starting to bite off more and more than we could chew. I mean, like, I think we've been going at this for well over an hour, and we are just yeah. getting started, really, brother. Like, um, what do you think? Like, should we keep? Do you want to keep going at it for a little while, or should we fucking break this off? And we'll have you it uh, off. We,
1: we can have return episodes. Yeah, know, for sure, man. On, That's on I mean.
0: I'll have you on multiple times, and especially as you keep having new projects come out, new new musical things. Uh, you're going to be doing exciting stuff on, um, I'll have, I'll have you on. I'll try to get, I don't know if we're going to be able to make it happen for this episode, but I definitely want to start getting a couple of your tunes and use them as like intro outro, outro songs. So you and I will have to have our people. Uh, obviously it was a bit of a tumultuous, um, process getting a hold of each other. You know, I had to have my management get in touch with your management. We had agents, <clears throat> fucking lawyers. I didn't know how much went into all this. I'm, so glad, I'm glad we ironed it out though. Yeah, so, I mean, we'll we'll, we'll have to have that, um, you know, we'll do whatever it takes, but we'll get some of your tunes on. We'll help promote that to my listeners, the immense crowd of them, which is mass now. It's a, it's a, it's a mass group. It's more of a community. And oh. uh, hopefully we're going to merge them. They're all going to become your listeners as Worldwide well. Worldwide community. Exactly. We have a unified community now. Project stands with Mark Logan and all that he does. Yeah. So, nice. so does his it's listeners.
1: Logs, you're the oh, fucking
0: man. Uh, we're gonna comment. cut it off there. Folks, this is episode number forty three. You know, sometimes people say
1: like, oh wait, wait, wait. What? Are we gonna give them some bars though?
0: Oh, do you wanna just like spit your way out of this?
1: I mean, I had some bars come into the mind, and I just feel like we owe it to them after this. Okay, like, okay how though.
0: do you are you going a cappella or are you going like beat in the background kind of like- a cappella? I have a lot of respect for that, folks. There's not a lot of shows that are making this happen. So episode 43 just shot a hole right through your pants, I'm sure. It might have been a shit or it might have been literally your soul leaving your asshole. We're not sure. But uh, Mark Logan is going to sing your way out for episode number 43. There's not a lot of shows doing this again. So, logs take it away for the people. This is episode number 43. We love you. Bye for now. We'll be talking to our friend Mark very,
1: very soon. (laughs) Enjoy the day. About to spit a freestyle, take me back to chem class. Forget experiments, we testin' testing how the men rap. Me and Hopsy flowing like the Bow River. Crushing bloody lattes, till I got no liver. Go-getters, and every sense of the term. The pod jack, about to blow, and I'm getting concerned. For everybody else, because the game is ours now. Had to spit some bars, because I never could go bar down. <laughs> but really, it's whatever, though. Hearts and I are going to the top, where they could never go. Got the jokes, got the hoes, and I got the clever flows. Turning up the decibels, rearranging decimals. <laughs> They're hating and it's questionable. Jelly Z and Envy quick to turn a friend into a foe Still I grab the mic, rap around like Carter did. They try, they could never be a butte like Harper is. You taking over. You heard the man. bringing home the bacon. You would think that I'll be serving him. Don Toretto on the record, do it for the fam. Other rappers bullshit and nine talking Birmingham Man, I am snapping like a fifty-flex. Get rich or die trying, giving it the 50-flex. This is what happens when the stealing work intersects with the opportunity created by the internet. They taking days off like Bueller was. Hoppers dropping gem, something like a clumsy jeweler does. Told you more than once, the boys are blowing soon enough. Like LeBron scored in the fourth. The tunes are up. Getting played like I never did. Fourth line, lifestyle, third frame, second shift, first time with the puck. Zero chance I make a play, but it's all good because I hung them up to change the game.
0: Oh, man. Yo. <laughs> that was gross, folks. Episode 43, see For you the later. Love, Love you, se- buddy. Bye. <laughs>